Hey everybody, after a two year hiatus, we're back. And it is what it is. Bringing this podcast back, we want to talk about how we're building the company, which is kind of a riff off a podcast that um, a lot of us at Stone Creek Coffee really love, and that's How I Built This, which is an NPR podcast, which you should totally check out. But we want to take a little bit of that kind of spin as we every day we're iterating and learning about how to build a coffee company. And uh, every day it feels probably like we know a little bit less. But as we get into that, that's the goal. Let's take a step back and do some introductions. Um, I'm Drew. I'm the managing director and one of the co-owners at Stone Creek. Um, and for a long time, my co-host was Christian. Uh, Christian has moved on from Stone Creek. Um, he's pursuing other ventures. He's currently in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, and for a while, I'll have as my co-host Eric, who you guys have probably heard from if you li- listened to the podcast before. I am the development director. I'm also uh, one of the co-owners, and I'm also the founder of Stone Creek. So as we talk about the next generation of Stone Creek Coffee and the next generation of our podcast, it's going to be helpful to just establish some learning and some reflection uh, together. We're in in the weeks that come. Eric's going to be with me at least over the next five episodes as we talk about what we're building the company to be. But the framework for that's really important. So Eric, you in our in conversations we've had with other, um, you know, we've talked with a couple other companies recently and been able to share some of the learning. And you kind of broke down the eras of Stone Creek into 1.0 and 2.0 and 3.0. Why do you why do you see it in that sort of window or that framework? Um, I I guess I see 1.0 and 2.0 in that framework because they're these are very distinct times. One represents 19 or so years uh, from day one through 19 years into the journey and the second sort of portion represents a six or so uh, year uh, segment where we change the business pretty dramatically and so I call that 1.0 and 2.0 and I I see from essentially here forward as 3.0 and again I see us going from um, one way of managing and running and thinking about the business to a new way and so I see 3.0 as, as on the horizon. All right, let's get into 1.0 and just do some review. We did a podcast actually once upon a time when we're in the heart of 2.0, um, talking about the history of Stone Creek Coffee. So we won't rehash like the history of when you built it, where did it start, but I want to talk a, more about the foundational ethos behind Stone Creek, what you wanted to accomplish, and what was hard about getting there. I think you said you wanted to change the world, right? <laughs> like everybody. <laughs> right. So um, the corporate name, and again, this is in a previous podcast, um, the corporate name is Geary Corporation, which means, uh, or the word Geary comes from samurai coat of honor called Bushido. And my interpretation of that word was one of obligation or social obligation. So I started the company with the belief that, actually with the belief that I could start a company, grow it sell it take truckloads of money and then go change the world that it was that it was sequential and what what we're learning is it's not sequential at all it's actually um you can actually change the world along the way so that was the thinking uh for starting the company and and going a little deeper um 
I believed and I continue to believe that that running a business or um, engaging in economic relationships with others, whether it's customers, vendors, um, suppliers, farmers, that you need money to change the world. Or if you follow the money, you can create the change. And if you look at our society, um, these types of economic relationships um, drive a lot of what we do. It drives a lot of our behavior. So my thinking originally was that I could, if I could insert myself into those economic relationships, I could have an impact beyond, uh, say, going to Honduras to join the Peace Corps, which I considered doing at, at one point. Going back to the, the very foundation, to make the truckloads of money, I was thinking about this the other day. What was the original plan? Because <laughs> if I were to just say, listen, I'm going to start a business to make truckloads of money, it wouldn't be coffee. Um, well, yeah, totally fair. I am, um, well, first of all, I didn't know how to make truckloads of money, so it, sure. I, I figured if you don't know, pick something that at least you like. Um, so I, I love coffee, continue to love coffee. Um, as we're actually recording the podcast, I'm drinking coffee. So coffee for me is my passion, um, and I felt if I could combine my passion with this interest in building a company that I'd have a better shot at sustaining it Ultimately, the coffee can sustain me and has sustained me when when nothing else perhaps could. Did you go into it with, uh, I listened to a podcast from Howard Schultz recently, who when he really tried to take Starbucks out, he had a plan to open 100 stores, and that's never how you've, you've operated. Was, was At day one, was there a strategy for how you would grow it? No. It would be hard for me to say I want to have 100 stores or 500 stores. You know, I don't quite know how Howard Schultz or others are wired that that's kind of the goal. Um, my goals for the company and for our work were, were just different. Uh, my goals were about learning, about good coffee, about connection, about people. And they remain that, so to have an arbitrary numerical goal always felt um, empty. And so I never pursued that kind of goal. Yeah, I think that's important to kind of bring out, because even as we wrestle today with, well, what are our goals? Um, very rarely will we make it numeric. Of course, we have financial goals, and we'll get into this a little bit in the 3.0, um, but trying to calibrate on what can feel like more intangible goals as a leadership team is a fun exercise, but it's unique because it's sort of a different way of managing the business. So let's try and bring out some peaks within, you know, 1.0. What what would you say beyond this geary uh, ethos and, and um, ethical framework? Would you would would you say were big characteristics that made Stone Creek, you know, over the first 19 years? Mm -hmm. you know, that's a long time to live in one generation. So right. why do you feel like that isn't and of itself a particular time frame? I think it's a time frame because of how I thought about the business and I guess ultimately how we structured the company. So for the first 19 years, I was, I don't know, the president or the CEO or the chief sip slowly officer. I was some sort of title that represented. Um, making a lot of the decisions and and that was uh, fine and fun and as a small company I was able to do that um, I think some of the highlights along the way I mean we opened many cafes we grew the business but the main driver in those first 19 years was the was the people and the care that we brought across the counter and the interactions every morning every day in our cafes that remains an important part of our company an important part of where we're headed in 3.0 but 
But I'd say the sustaining factor through those first 19 years was my willingness to do whatever it took to stay in business. And I shared this recently that I ran the business not to fail. Um, now I try to run it to succeed. Um, and when you're trying to run something not to fail, um, it's an exercise in sort of plugging holes, closing gaps. And I did that for 19 years. I, I enjoyed it. I did it with a, a lot of smart, talented people. Um, but that became unsustainable um, for me personally and also for the business um, six or seven years ago. So we changed to 2.0. But that first 19 years, I mean, when we started in 1993, there were no Starbucks uh, here in Milwaukee. There were Starbucks in Seattle and Chicago only. The coffee landscape was uh, dramatically different. And then over those first 19 years, um, Starbucks came in and opened 40 or 50 or 60 stores in the metro area. Um, we had all the other mom and pops and Dunkin' Donuts and Mick Coffee. And so the landscape changed dramatically. That also um, was part of our impetus to go to 2.0. But it was it was about the people and it was about the relationships and the care that drove those those early years. So let's let's fast forward then and talk about the the thing that drove you to 2.0 is all all that sounded great. Like I mean, if if we execute that vision, it seems like we're going to build a business that's impactful and healthy and helpful. So how do we get to 2011? And then you saying, well, I think we actually have to change. Well, 2011 and that time period, we were watching our our cafe customer counts fall. I have this kind of cool chart. It's very well, colorful. Coolish um, that showed our cafes and and the year over year declining customer count. And I could very easily see where that where the business wasn't going to survive. In fact, I would say at the time, if we're going to go out of business, let's at least know when. And we would we we could fit uh, lines in the data set and see when our you know, sort of terminal day would arrive and I wasn't interested in that and, and of course I didn't know what to do about it but I did know that doing the same thing we had been doing um, would 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 end up in our our demise you don't just wake up and have answers like right I mean, how, do you, how do you feel in that like you in those moments where you're just like 2011, declining customer counts. Like, talk about how you felt in those moments. I felt terrified. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I sure. mean, I mean, no, that's, um, that's fair. when you th when you've run the business for 19 years not to fail, and it looks like you might fail, the crap, <laughs> the the scared oh shit uh, feeling goes up dramatically. But it had been rising because I could see what was coming. I. Um, but I, I was terrified. I had a stomach ache for years. Um, I thought I was maybe dying. Um, I wasn't. It turns out I was just scared and under a lot of anxiety. And um, the other problem with anxiety and being scared is you don't think clearly. You can't act. And so I was generous with myself, and I gave myself time um, to think through this. But as I said, it wasn't about me thinking of a plan. It was about me starting to talk to others. Like, mm -hmm. what do you see? What, what's going on in our industry? What do you see in our company? And it was about kind of like looking in the mirror and having other people t talk to me um, and, and me learning to listen and, and me being open to the notion that I didn't have the answers. And I think for somebody who runs a company, started a company, did it for 19 years, that's a pretty terrifying moment when you realize, oh, I don't have the answer. Sure. And so we started a process of seeking the answers 
before we figured out how to change the business. And that seeking started with reaching out to peers and mentors and industry folks who I just spent time with and started to collaborate with to find a path forward. Do you feel like there was a breaking point or would you point to something or some event or some story that really moved the company from, okay, yesterday we were 1.0, today we're 2.0? Um, yeah, I mean, one we've talked about here at Stone Creek over the years is we we hired Tracy Allen, a coffee consultant, to come fly to Milwaukee um, and work with us um, and he came on one of his early trips and didn't know Tracy very well at the time become a good friend over the years now but at the time he walked in and I had built this company and like all of us we want people to say yay it's so cool and you're so good it's beautiful. And congratulations but what he came in is he held up one of our mugs and he said Eric what are we having soup this is like a 20 ounce mug this is like a cup of milk with a drop of coffee. I, I don't understand what you're doing. And I did that sort of like deer in the headlights thing, um, which is I, I have no answer to that question. Oh, crap. Mm-hmm. I, I thought I knew what I was doing, but I actually don't. In your assessment, what mm-hmm. were the things that you were working through that you felt like had to change? Certainly from a coffee perspective, we had to rebuild and did rebuild our supply chain, traveling you know, a lot more now, um, working with Farmers Direct, improving the quality, becoming certified as Q-grader, doing all the things that a coffee pro um, should do. Those are, I don't want to say they're easy, but they're self-evident. I think sure. the hard stuff is really what this podcast is about, is how do you change yourself? And I had a really great mentor at the time, a guy named Lee Thayer, um, and one particular book that I continue to read and reread called Thinking, Being, Doing. And, and, and one of the premise is, among many in there, is that our habits drive everything. And so I needed to try to slow down and break habits of running the company a certain way, of acting a certain way, of listening a certain way, of learning a certain way. And through that mentorship with him, um, I was able to begin to change myself. And, you know, the company is just a collection of us, of the people here. So the company is nothing without us. So the company is only, as I said, a collection of our Learning. our work, our thinking, our doing, the mm. way we are. Um, so I changed a lot of habits. And I did that by every day I would write down the habit I was trying to change or a couple and I would write it down every single day and I'd look at it throughout the day until I changed that single habit and then I would go on to the next one. And I did that for about five years. I carried a little book that, that I would put my reflections down on how I was changing. And I knew if I could change, we'd have a shot at changing the business. Yeah, in 2014, I, here's where I like to jump in because it's actually where I joined the company it was in 2.0, about halfway through it. Um, the coffee's being reformed and the, our store in partnership with Radio Milwaukee opens um, in fall of 2013 and uh, I had only interacted with Stone Creek out in the Milwaukee suburbs in Delafield and I heard about this cafe opening and one day I was driving through downtown because I was selling a tabletop to somebody on the south side because as I was in grad school seminary that's one of the ways that I I was hustling. Um, I watched Moneyball one too many times, so I learned that you could find things that other people valued that some people didn't and flip them and make money. So I was driving this tabletop to the south side and stopped into Radio Milwaukee. It was like 8.30 at night. 
Jamie Pinkert was the only one in there, but uh, there was um, the first round of Geisha, the Costa Rica Geisha, I think the first round of Geisha we ever had. And so I tried that in this new, unique, beautiful space. I was the only one in there, but um, it was gorgeous and really just blew me away. I had never experienced coffee in that sort of capacity before. And I was finishing up school and I was like, wow, I want to see if I can come work here. And it took probably another four months for me to find the spot to, to come on board as a cafe manager initially. Um, but that change in coffee was, it was a signaling technique mm -hmm. that, that that cafe was a signal that, oh, something was happening with this company. So then coming into the company, there's the, the learning of what is happening in here was a lot, um, that, well, there was a lot those, that first six months um, as I watched you really um, push for a dramatic change in the way the organization operated. And so we've kind of segmented out the, the two pillars of our company that came out of this season was, uh, number one was Coffee Geek, which we've talked about, start with a product, make it amazing. And then number two is the never stop learning. And that's that iterative process of expanding your thinking, questioning your assumptions, uh, against facts and reality, and then changing your behaviors to match that learning, because that's what will drive change initially in your execution and then ultimately in your financial profitability. As I began to change my habits, I began to think more about and eventually worked with Drew and others here in the company to begin to change the the behaviors of, of others in the company. And so the question is, how do you, if you have a group of 130 people or 1,300 people, but how do you begin to change the behaviors and habits of a very large group of people? And um, again, we had no answers, but one, one um, tech meeting, which is an executive group I'm, I'm in, we had a speaker who talked about um, um, values and uh, mission statements and how they tend to kind of live on the wall and that their contention was that, that that it's better to organize your thinking around what the business is doing around behaviors rather than um, values. Um, so we did that. We put something in place during this period 2012 to 2018 um, called the core commitments and, and these are 13 commitments that um, their action statements like we take risks we care for our coworkers. We speak up. Right. We speak to the future, not the past. So these action statements, um, we did. Th we came up with thirteen of them. Um, we we vetted them through our team, got feedback, and 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 then we adopted them as our our way of working. And so every week at Stone Creek, there's a core commitment that we follow, and there are thirteen of them. Primarily because we want there are thirteen weeks in a quarter, and so we simply repeat the 13 every quarter and I think we've been doing this for four or so three and a half or four years now yeah and every meeting at Stone Creek um, starts with a discussion of the core commitments so if there are two or more people um, in a meeting um, I guess it'd be hard to have a meeting with one but <laughs> any any meeting would start with um, a discussion of the weekly core commitment and so some days um, Drew or I might have three or four meetings we have three or four discussions about taking risks um, if that's the core commitment of the week um, and teaching the organization about what behaviors we're trying to follow within the company. So one of the things that was critical were these core commitments. In effort to build a culture, because one of the things 
that's been instrumental in my learning is is that culture is never an accident it's the result of daily coaching and working and it's a result of what you as the leader tolerate and that sounds bad but it's that it's what is acceptable in your organization and i think to seth godin who's we're big fanboys of seth godin as well and in his book tribes it's based on a lot of behavioral type stuff is people that the premise that people like us do things like this culture is driven not just by values a lot of us can say we value a certain thing but what we do about that is what then forms the culture and so the core commitments are about changing behavior right and we also have instituted some i guess they're rigid but when people make commitments within the organization to each other like I will send you that thing tomorrow. Um, we don't allow that to, to sort of disappear into the ether once it's said. We, we help each other and we say, did you just make a commitment? To Can email, I write that down? <laughs> right, to email that thing. And that's been also a powerful tool because for many of us, um, we, we didn't learn in school or maybe from family um, how to uh, keep track of things, um, how to make lists, how to move things from one day to another. And this culture of, of making commitments to each other to get our work done um, has also added, I guess, fuel to our engine, um, the 2.0 part of our, our building process. One final pillar that we built that's been really instrumental is how we manage performance and, and how we coach people to take responsibility. Not like, hey, you should take responsibility, um, but in the sense that there are things around us every day in the world and at home and in our work that are just waiting for somebody to pick up and make better. And um, so your performance at Stone Creek is measured by how much you make this company better, how much, you, how much value you create. So we don't want to assess somebody based on did they check a bunch of boxes that they were quote unquote supposed to do. It's did they make their work in the company better than it was previously, you know, over the previous three months, previous six months, or previous year. And so we developed mechanisms by which we could see how people create value in the organization. One of the things we put in place is I was reflecting on each month we would get our monthly financials and I would sit down for a couple of hours in the evening where while my kids were upstairs getting ready for bed and I would read all the financials and I one day I woke up sort of woke up and said why am I doing all this work this seems crazy what if what if we had the people in the organization who work with this line item whether it was cleaning supplies or rent or whatever it was what if the people who know this better what if they own that line on the P&L and what if it was so clear in your work that you only had one number you had to worry about. Not two, not three, not four, which many people would normally have, or five or 10, but one. And so what Drew and I endeavored to do in this same period, 2.0, is we put in place that every person in the organization has one metric and only one that they're responsible for. And then we helped coach them by providing them five areas, what we call one plus five, that if they work in those areas and they fulfill the spirit of those um, buckets that they will have a good chance of, of succeeding with their one metric. The way we define accountability at Stone Creek is not you're accountable and therefore you're in trouble. Um, to be accountable at Stone Creek, we've agreed, means that you're gonna change something and that 
when you change, you're accountable. When you don't change, you're not being accountable. So that it's okay. I mean, we do take on projects and things that require us to fail, that require us to run into things that we didn't anticipate. And, and oftentimes that can be frustrating. And it's, we don't see it as a failure. We see it as a, a learning moment, not to be cliche, but as an opportunity to change the way we're thinking and, and move ahead. So it's okay to be read, but it's not okay not, not to change. We're committed to learning and changing, learning and changing, um, but we're still in the 2.0 window of Stone Creek. So what was inadequate? As we talked about in the beginning, 1.0, first 19 years, um, 2.0, the last six years. And we have come through, um, I guess the last six to 12 months, I've been doing a lot of reflecting about the progress around being a coffee geek and the quality of our product. We continue to get better and better. It's exciting to see the caliber of baristas that, that we have out in our cafe system. I see a, a regular and, and thoughtful approach to never stop learning, to taking our mistakes and turning them into something positive. So I feel like those first two pillars of our company, the coffee geek and never stop learning, I think we're on a really healthy path um, and were we to continue just following those, I think we would be fine for many years to come. But what caused me to step back and reflect on 3.0 was really a reflection on the culture that we live in and the times that we live in. And every business, if it isn't changing and evolving with our culture, um, then, then it's destined to be left behind and caught off guard. And, and I have lived... Um, that period at the end of 1.0 where it was scary the business was was on a downward spiral or at least on a downward trend felt like a spiral and i just never want to be in that position again so i'm there's really very few signs that the business needs to be changed in fact we're at more successful than we've ever been um, strength in financials strength in the people here many things to be extremely proud of but we're going to go ahead and um sort of change the business anyway and we're gonna we're gonna I'm basing that thinking and the team here is basing that thinking around the culture and the times we live in and as we continue to evolve with with technology and the pace that technology is changing our world with AI and algorithmic um, lifestyle that we're all going to be facing with autonomous cars we we are going to be in a time where I think um, uh, connection to to others, particularly face to face, person to person connection, will become in short supply. Now I don't I don't say that's going to be tomorrow. It may not be for five years or ten years or twenty years. But what we've decided is we're going to position the company to be a high touch organization that we think. Our founding value of, of Geary and care, that we think that's the currency of the future, and we're going to build the company um, in 3.0 for the foreseeable future around what we call remarkable care. And so we're redesigning the organization, redesigning how we think about work and teams and coffee under this um, third and important pillar we call remarkable care. Yeah, and it's not in service of undoing anything we built in, in 2.0. It's building on top of it. Um, it, it's taking everything that we've done and saying, well, the, here's the things that worked. Here are the things where we really struggled. So we're going to go to the nth degree on the things that are working for us. <laughs> and then the areas where we're struggling, we're going to do some reimagining of what this might look like. So you talked about remarkable care. One of the things that has propelled us and kept us in business, and you can go back to probably 95, certainly to when I came into the company in 2014 and now, and we hear a lot of our customers commenting on 
you know, you guys have the nicest baristas. Every time I have an interaction with someone at Stone Creek, it, it's great and warm. And so we've, we've latched onto that, which certainly has come from your DNA as the founder and then the DNA of many others at Stone Creek as we've, this the way we want to operate. It's who we are and people like this do things like this. They communicate care, but we said, listen, we're going to be much more clear about what care is and how to deliver it. So the history of that is also, we've referenced three times now, Seth Godin, but he had mentioned, or an article I read, that remarkable isn't just sort of um, a trite word that you sort of, well, it's remarkable, but for something to be remarkable, you need somebody to remark about it. And that that standard of remarkable, meaning somebody then turned around and remarked about something you did, is the standard we've adopted here. So we don't, we won't qualify care as a success unless somebody kind of closes the loop and remarks back to us, thank you for doing that thing. Thank you for caring me and that caring for me in that way. And that's the standard that we're going to use going forward. And what's cool about it is, is the, the actual metric is built right into the, the, the goal. How many remarks do you get? Or right. did you get a remark? Yes, no, red, right. green. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not to be disingenuous. I feel like somebody, I'm, I'm sure somebody at some point is going to say to me, well, if we're just trying to get, do we actually care? But I'd say you have to. Like, to actually execute this and do it well and communicate care, you actually have to care. It has to come from inside you to deliver this level of, of warmth and openness and re relational connection to the people with whom you come in contact. Right, and I guess some of the practical things we're doing is we're going to look at the business and we're probably going to turn off parts of our business that don't allow us to deliver remarkable mm. care. That, that we believe that in this high-tech world where we're all heads down on our phones when our emails get finished by Google's new AI, um, <laughs> imagine what it's going to be like in five years or ten years, and we believe that there'll be room, and not only room, there'll be people will be crying for uh, interaction, mm -hmm. uh, per, and coffee is... Coffee is just kind of the perfect um, lubricant for that kind of interaction, um, that remarkable care interaction. And it ties back into what we're building as our fourth pillar. So we'll go back to Geary as our founding pillar. We One of the initiatives we wanted to take in 3.0 was how can we summarize what our business is and what it's about in a relatively short statement. And we wanted to make sure we capture the social obligation piece that Eric referenced when he founded the company is this idea that we don't exist for ourselves, but we have an obligation and how we interact and how we do business and where we live to care about the other. And so going back to 2.0 and then rolling all the way through to where we're headed, we say that our company, Stone Creek Coffee, we are coffee geeks. That's who we are who never stop learning. That's how we, how we act, that's how we conduct ourselves. And what we're building is remarkable care. We are coffee geeks who never stop learning, creating remarkable care because the foundation of it all, we're driven to connect and uplift. And those are, those are working words right now, but it's about trying to take that foundational principle of Geary and put some words behind it that make it really action-oriented. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're just building that now, thinking about that, starting to build and execute against that thinking. And the connect and uplift, within the company, we see those as larger projects, uh, sort of uh, community changing projects. And we see the remarkable care as something you can do every day 10 times, so that those are the small 
interactions we have day in and day out and that the connect and uplift is um, our larger projects that we hope to execute against to make our community, our world a better place. Hey, thanks for joining us. If you want to learn more about Stone Creek Coffee, you can go check us out at stonecreekcoffee.com. Um, and then you can always reach out to us. Just email podcasts, plural, at stonecreekcoffee.com. You can also follow us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We're most active on Instagram. But you can follow us there at Stone Creek Coffee. In the coming weeks, we'll be digging more into our four brand pillars as a company, what it is we, we believe it is to be a coffee geek, um, what does Never Stop Learning require of us. We'll tell some stories about maybe some of the harder lessons we've learned in building this company. We'll catch you again in two weeks. And in the meantime, don't forget to never stop learning.